I am so excited that you're here. I know that there are many first-time guests because I've talked to a few of you. If this is your first time at Meadows Church, welcome home. We are so excited. First time watching online, welcome home to you as well. Uh, my name is Monty. I'm one of our pastors at Meadows and uh, like to start with why we exist. Um, just to remind you, that you, those of you that came back and tell you, those of you that are new, that we exist to lead people to Jesus and your God-given purpose. You have a purpose. God created you to do something that no one else will do, and we'll never stop reminding you of that. And as I, as I talk about leading people to Christ, we got to put our hands together because last weekend, five more people made decisions for Jesus. Five more for the kingdom of God. We'll never stop celebrating what God is doing. And if you're thinking to yourself, what do you mean five more people made these decisions? You'll understand. By the end of today, by the end of your time and my time together, you'll understand. God is up to something big. But even... But beside that, I'm gonna, I gotta share something. And this is maybe just a random thought because I have those once in a while. I don't know if you guys struggle. You know how you, you gotta wear masks going into a lot of places, right? That's pretty common these days. And uh, for guys, it might be different. My, my wife, Jody, never forgets a mask, but I am notorious, okay? I, every time I will leave and I'll walk one mi a mile into Target and then I get there and I, what? Forgot my mask. Gotta walk all the way back. It happens all the time. And I think, is it because you guys have purses? Is that why? See, we don't have, now I know that we have like, they have the fanny pack things. Guys wear those fanny packs. And, you know, if you're wearing those, uh, turn in your man card right now, honestly. Okay, I'm, I'm Sarah, let's have, I mean, what is wrong? I mean, what? Okay, so, but I, for, I'm, so one day I'm, I'm at the gas station and I, it's freezing cold. This is a few weeks ago and I forgot my mask and I'm like, I'm not going back out to my car. I refuse to do it. So I was one of those guys that did this. Yeah, so, I, so I'm walking around the gas station like this, and I, I didn't care, I don't care, no one's, pray to God, hope no church people are here, you know? So I'm walking, and people are looking at me, but they don't even think twice about it. So I, I look like this, and people are staring at me, and they think it's normal. And I'm like, wow, that's weird. I mean, a year ago, if I was walking around like that, I mean, they would call the cops. I mean, they, you, so anyway, that has nothing to do with anything. I just gotta tell you, I struggle with that, so pray for me. So anyway. Hey, it does have something to do with something. We're in a series called Breakthrough Prayer. And if you're new, that just, for the last 21 days, we have one week left in that 21 days, we've been praying. There's booklets that we've given out, online stuff that we've been doing. And you can go to meadows.church slash breakthrough to, to get involved in that. But it's been incredible for me. And I'll talk about it in the message a little bit. But the one thing I never want to forget about you and I and all of us together, we are a family. Say Family. It's one of our core values. And it's so interesting. Last weekend, we had, we had you, many of you wrote prayer requests. Like uh, we talked about give us today our daily bread. And you wrote prayer requests and put them in the buckets. And we're going to have an opportunity to do something else today. I'll get to that later. But I'm, I'm going, I read them all. I read them all and I pray over them all. And I'm reading them and there's such a common theme that blew me away. And the common theme was this. In, in, in all of these, it's not all of them, but a lot of them. It's like, I want to know God more. I want to grow closer to God. I need to, I need to put God first in my life. In fact, I, I have just, did I grab one? I don't know if I grabbed one. I wanted to read one. And, and know that, it, okay, maybe I didn't grab it, so it really doesn't matter. I think it's sitting over there. That's okay. Um, it basically said, because it, it summed up all of them. It was like, God, I, I want to put you first. God, I want you to show me what you have for me. God, help me not live like the world lives. It was all the things we talk about. And as I read through all of them, I thought to myself, God is moving in our church. Like just reading through what your, your, your requests are to the Lord, 
God is moving in you. The fact that you wrote them down and we're bold enough to put them up here so we can pray over them, I'm excited. You came here with struggles and you came here with hurts and you came here with uh, uh, maybe a messed up mind and messed up thoughts. Uh, what I would say to you again, welcome home. You found the right church because you found a church where it's okay to not be okay. And if you're not okay, take it from a, a pastor who was a drug addict for years. Again, welcome home. I'm gonna pray for you. And uh, before I do, I'll say this. <laughs> the giving in our church blows me away. I, I bet this week we had three or four or five first-time givers giving, and every time I see that, and it's not about the money for me. I know that people get worked up about the money. It isn't. It's a heart thing for me. I know that God's doing something in your heart, and for those of you that you give back to God through the church, I can't thank you enough. That's how everything gets done. That's how everything gets funded. It's through you. You are the church, so thank you, thank you, thank you. Whether you give on in the bases or online, and I'll say what I've always said, if you never give back to God through the church, I'll never stop loving you. I'll never stop walking with you. And um, I love you so much. I'm just so excited about today. I cannot wait for this message God has for you. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much. Man, it's an exciting day. Today is the day. Today is all we got, God. I pray that right now, everybody here, everybody watching online, they, they, will, they will kind of put the past in the past. Help us do that, God. We, we, we want to take it back, and we want to live there sometimes, but we're not created to live there. We're, we're created to live now. And sometimes we take it to the other direction, and we start worrying about tomorrow and this week and this month, and you don't call us to do that either. All we got is now. Father, thank you that people are here today now. Some people, they don't know what to expect. Others maybe feel um, anxious. Others feel um, not at peace. Others might feel scared. Whatever the case is, God, put them at ease. We cast all of our cares and worries to you right now. Thank you for caring for us. Father, we lift up our nation. God, we lift up our world. God, we lift up our, our leaders. We need, your, we need your will, we need your love, we need your wisdom, we need your guidance. God, I lift up the people in this place that are struggling financially, that are struggling emotionally, that are str struggling um, mentally, relationally. Father, in, in the name of Jesus, God, do something supernatural in us today. Heal our hurts, make us new, uh, change us from the inside out, Father. You're in the business of it, that's why we go to you. You are glorious, you are good, you are our king. We will never stop declaring your love and your goodness and your power and your mercy and your forgiveness ever, ever, ever. God, thank you, thank you, thank you. And church, we're gonna pray the Lord's Prayer together. And, uh, and if you don't know it, um, I kinda, I'm kind of excited if you don't know it because if you don't know it, that means you probably don't have a church background, which isn't a bad thing. It's actually a great thing because you come with a clean slate saying, I don't know what to expect. And, that, and that's when God can really move. So if you know it, pray it along. If you don't know it, you can read it right off the screens. But let's pray it together nice and loud. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power of and the glory forever and ever. Amen. As you have a seat, tell two people next to you, tell them, pray for me. Just ask them, pray for me. My gosh, pray for me. I need it and you need it and we all need it. And isn't that what we're doing? In a series called Breakthrough Prayer. Now I'll be straight up with you. 
even as your pastor, I've never considered myself some great prayer warrior. I've, I've told you before in this series that um, like prayer doesn't come natural to me like it seems to for some people. Some people can just break out in some eloquent prayer and it sounds so majestic and so good. And, you know, I'm like, I don't know, God loves you. You know, I'm like, I don't, I, it's just not really elaborate for me. When I became um, full-time ministry, uh, I started to get a little bit more comfortable doing it, praying for people, because that's kind of part of what you do. So people would come into the church and they would bring their uh, their struggles, the, their, their, their requests, their pains, uh, their, their difficulties, and I would get an opportunity to pray for them. One time a guy came in, and uh, he really laid it out. Like, we, we talked for like an hour, and he had a lot going on. I mean, a lot going on. He's at a crossroads, like some of you are right now, in a job. That's where he was. He was at a crossroads even relationally with someone that he was um, dating uh, in his family. He just had all kinds of stuff. So hence why he was coming to the church asking for prayer. So I'm like, all right, I really feel like God's going to move during this prayer. So he gets done kind of explaining his situation. And I'm like, let me pray for you. And I just had this confidence this day. I just felt so good. I'm like, all right. And I just let it go. I'm like, in the name of Jesus, God, I'm just praying that you would bless Ted, that you would bless his family, bless his children. God, guide Ted in his job towards what you have for him. Guide Ted in his relationship with who he's with and make sure they live this life that's godly. Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus, just do what only you can do in Ted's life, and we will give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. And I get done, and I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, yes. And I'm just, you know, just sitting there, and I'm like, all right. And he looks at me, he goes, you know, just one more thing. And I said, yeah. He goes, my name's not Ted. And I was like, what? I'm like, are you sure? Are you sure it's not Ted? I thought you said Ted. Um, so you talk about, like, just like, wah, wah, wah. I'm like, I thought I had it. I'm like, so learn from that. If you're going to use somebody's name in a prayer, know their name. Like, use the right name. It just makes it more effective, I found. Um, his name wasn't Ted. His name wasn't Ted. I thought it was, but I was wrong. So, anyway, uh, I'm just sharing with you that prayer is, I love this series because I tell you what, I am growing, I am learning, and I hope you are too. I really do. It's been huge for me. It's been huge for my family as we pray together, read the book together, listen to the audio together. It's, it's awesome, and I hope you're enjoying it. Today, um, if you're new, we've been pulling apart what's called the Lord's Prayer, the prayer that we prayed earlier. We've been looking at it line by line, scripture by scripture, verse by verse, um, because Jesus taught it. And we just think, gosh, if Jesus taught something, and, it, and it's a certain prayer, and he didn't give a lot of like certain like canned prayers like that, there must be a lot to it, and there is. So what we're looking at today, and it, this is going to be incredible, because this passage that we're looking at today from the Lord's Prayer, I believe it's the number one thing that holds people back. I, I believe it. If not number one, it is in the top two or three that will hold you back from living your purpose, hold you back from living the life that God purposed and planned for you, hold you back from grabbing a hold of a life that we talk about, we declare and we pray about, but we never really seem to realize it. We never really seem to live it out. Why? This is one huge reason why. So I'm gonna, I'll get there in just a second, but let's, let's pray it one more time together. And we, I pr we're going to pray it out of New King James, so it's going to sound a little different um, in just certain pieces, but, but all the same meaning. So let's pray it. We'll put the words up on the screen, and let's pray this Lord's Prayer. This is what Jesus said to the disciples when they said, teach us to pray. This is what Jesus spoke next. You ready? Here we go. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And Jesus hits us with this prayer. And, then you, and, and, and the scripture that we're going to look at today that I, that I guarantee you is a struggle for some of you, and it's been a struggle for me in my life, is verse 12. I'll give it to you. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And the reason I'm going to tell you that this is, and the whole prayer is huge. How do I say that one piece is more important than another? But I'm telling you, this is one that Jesus wants us to highlight. And I'm telling you that not because I'm saying it, because he said it. Because after Jesus said what we just read, you know the very thing he goes back to? He doesn't go back to temptation. He doesn't go back and talk about daily bread. No. He goes back and hits forgiveness. It's insane. Look at him. So we read up to verse 12, and then verse 14 says, boom, back to forgiveness. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But, say but, but if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Wow, that is a statement. That, so, so debts, sins, transgressions, trespasses, you know, it's all the same. It's, it's doing something that we, we know we, we shouldn't go there, but we do it. Like, the title of today's message is called No Trespassing. No trespassing. What does that mean? It means don't go there, right? You see the sign, you're not supposed to go there. You're not supposed to um, take that route. You're supposed to go a different way is what you're supposed to do. The picture you're looking at right now, by the way, that's the no trespassing sign in the farm life, okay? I grew up at a farm until I was 10 years old. That is, you don't, you don't buy signs when you're on the farm. You make them, okay? You get a tire, you get some, you get some paint, and there it is. No trespassing. No trespassing. I've actually Googled some other signs and found, I found one that I think would be probably really effective to keep me out, and possibly you too. Look at this next one. This, like, we're tired of hiding the bodies. Okay, that... That would keep me out. That, and then it's got the blood spatter. So, I mean, just some added effect. Uh, yeah, I'm going to listen to that sign. I don't know about you, but, but no trespassing. No trespassing. See, we all have weak spots. We've all got areas, you do and I do, vulnerabilities, where we're prone to trespassing. We do. We do. And I do. I'll share one with you in just a second. But first, I'm going to pull apart the first part of the, mess, or of the, the scripture. Remember Matthew 6, 12? And forgive us our debts. Let's look at that first. And forgive us. Right? This is the easier part. Forgive us. We need forgiveness. We all know we need forgiveness from something. Forgive us our debts. Where do you need forgiveness? Where do I need forgiveness? Where do I need someone to forgive my trespasses? Certainly for me, and some of you know this if you heard me preach you know, more than twice, that when I get behind the wheel of a car, uh, I make some trespasses. Okay, I go there sometimes when I shouldn't go there. I tell you guys, this is therapy for me. I've told you that before. Um, I have problems on the road. And it's not my problem. It's probably more your problem because I'm the one who knows how to drive and many of you don't. So I'm just going to say it. Okay, let's just be honest about it. God knows. I'm just kidding. Where am I? Um, So, yeah. So what, what God has shown me about my driving though is this. It's not just when I'm behind the wheel that I need forgiveness from others. It's when I'm a passenger. Maybe even more so. My daughter Ava's 15. She has a learner's permit. 
And uh, she told, you know what she told me? I couldn't believe this. She came up to me because either her, uh, my, her mom or me normally are with her. At least we hope we're with her while she's driving. We're supposed to be. So, but she said, oh, Dad, because we were going to go driving. And I said, oh, she goes, Dad, I want Mom to take me. I said, what do you mean you want Mom to take you? What's wrong with me? She said, Mom's not as uptight as you are. And I said, what do you mean, uptight? She's like, come on. You know, she's trying to be all nice about it. But she's basically saying, Dad, you get kind of you get kind of worked up. I'm like, Ava, my life is in your hands. I will get worked up. You know? And her, her thing right now that she doesn't get is the blind spot. I'm like, Ava, I'm huge on this. Check your blind spot. She'll glance in the mirror. Oh, we're good. I'm like, no. Okay, it's called a blind spot. You will not see it in this mirror or that mirror, hence the name. So you need to actually turn and glance. She's like, if I turn and glance behind me, then my, then my eyes aren't on the road. I said, well, sometimes you got to take chances in life, okay? You're not supposed to, like, don't glare for 10 seconds behind you. Glance and go. Glance and go. And as, so we get done driving one day, and she pulls into the driveway, and uh, she says, Dad, how'd I do? And I, I couldn't even sugarcoat it. I said, Ava, this was not one of your better rounds of driving. I mean, I felt, my life was, I felt like my life was threatened like three different times, honestly. I'm like, this was not good. And I told her, I, I'm gonna, I said, Ava, it wasn't good. So I felt convicted later because we get done and she's like, oh yeah, she gets out of the car. And later I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, ah, I probably could have worded that differently. I could, yeah, I probably could have. Because basically I said, Ava, you are a horrible driver. That's basically what I said. So I thought, how can I phrase that differently? And I thought to myself, here, I could say it this way. Ava, when I drive with you, it makes me glad that I know Jesus, okay? Maybe I could say it that way. I, I, I don't know. But anyway, actually, Ava's probably a better driver than me, so let's just call it what it is. But um, think about this. Where do you need forgiveness in your life? I wrote that down. And if you don't know where you need forgiveness, um, I bet someone maybe you're sitting next to knows. I'm just saying. I bet somebody that you live with might know. I bet somebody that you're close to might know where you need forgiveness in your life. They might have a pretty good idea. <laughs> they might even have a list, to be honest with you. So I heard a pastor say this once, and it, 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 it stuck with me ever, ever since he said it. And, and when, it, when it comes to how we come across to other people, this is what he said. Ask yourself this question, or, or ask people that know you, that are close to you, if you're bold enough, ask them this question. What's it like to be on the other side of me? What's it like to be on the other side of me? I, I would be, I'd be nervous to ask some people in my life that question some days based on my response. What's it like to be on the other side of my trespasses, of my sin, Right, of my anger, of my passive-aggressive behavior. What's it like to be on the other side of my sarcasm? Anybody else have the gift of sarcasm? Or is it just me? Yeah, <laughs> hand went up back there. Way to own it, I love that. So yeah, the other day I thought to myself, I thought, John, you should not be so sarcastic. But then my name's not John, so I don't have to worry about it. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, so I just, sorry, sarcasm. Um, so what I'm saying is, you need to know where your, where your blind spots are. You need to know where, um, where you're weak, where you're vulnerable to trespassing, to going there. You need to know that because you can't overcome what you don't admit. You will never overcome what you don't admit. Say admit it. Say own it. Same thing. You've got to own it. If you don't own it, it's not going to get any better. Today, one of the reasons God has you here today and me here today is because he wants us to own something. You know, the title of this message, it wasn't always no trespassing. Before it was no trespassing, the title of this message was this, 
Own your stuff, right? Oh, I, what were you thinking? Own your sin. Own your sarcasm. Own your slow driving. Seriously, own it and stop it. So um, own it. You got to own it. First John 1 John 1.9 says, okay, own this. When you own it, you can confess it. If we confess it, we're owning it. We're confessing it. I was wrong. I trespassed. I did it. Uh, if you confess your, our sins, he, who, God, is faithful and just, and he'll forgive our sins and purify us from all righteousness. So God just waits for us to own it, waits for us to confess it. I love that so much. But here's the problem. Here's the problem for many of us, me included. I'm with you in this. A lot of times we don't take our sin very seriously, if we're honest. Sin is very serious to God, so serious that he sent Jesus. So serious that he had to, he had to, he had to hatch a plan. So serious that he can't even be in, in our presence when it, that's in the equation. But, but we downplay it a lot, especially as culture continually shifts. Sin, you know, we, we kind of will laugh at it, scoff at it a little bit, but we don't take it seriously a lot. But Jesus does. If you were with us last week, I shared a scripture that shows you how serious Jesus takes sin. He literally said, if your eye causes you to sin, do what? Gouge it out. Gouge it out. Because it's better to like, have one eye and live righteously than, than, than have both and, and go to hell. I mean, dang. so it's serious to Jesus. In light of that, we've actually placed shivs under all the chairs. So if you need to, anyway, I'm just kidding. If you're like, a shiv? What's a, hey, eyeballs rolling around. That'd be probably our last service. So uh, anyway, so but Jesus is serious. Gouge out your eye. Sin is serious. David knew that. David, if you don't know who he is, um, he was a king of Israel in the Old Testament before Jesus came to earth as a, as a person, as a human. And, and David, oh my gosh, if you... David, what I love about David's story, and this should give you amazing hope. If you came here thinking, oh, you know what? I'm, I'm so bad. Jesus can't forgive me, and I've done so much wrong, and all that kind of stuff, that we, the lies we tell ourselves. David, the Bible says that David, uh, that, that David was a man after God's own heart. I mean, so, so, so David was special to God, but yet David was a, a horrible sinner. I mean, bad. Like, like he committed adultery. Like, like David orchestrated a murder, okay? That's what David did. So David is, is, is in his sin, and he's not taking it seriously until one day uh, a confidant, a friend of his named Nathan, confronts him. See, this is why I believe with all my heart, I pray for you and I pray for me that we will put people in our lives that will not tell us what we want to hear, but what we need to hear. It's so crucial that you have that, that you will have somebody that isn't scared to maybe if your feelings get hurt because they love you so much. Sometimes I'll see stuff online and I cringe. Somebody will post something that is way off and then everybody's like liking it. Yeah, you go, you go. I'm like, you're encouraging them to do something that is completely insane. So, I mean, you don't, you want somebody that's going to tell you what you need to hear. That was Nathan to David. So, so Nathan confronts David and says, listen, you're the guy. You're the one who's bad, king. You did murder. You committed murder. You committed adultery. And listen to how David finally confesses and cries out and watch what happens. This is in 2 Samuel 12, 13. Then David confesses. He owns it to Nathan. I've done it. I've sinned. And he says, I've sinned against the Lord. He knows that it hurts the father. And Nathan said, yes, but the Lord has forgiven you. And isn't that amazing? David confesses in the moment, and Nathan says, you've confessed, you've owned it. 
And because you're repentant and because you've owned it, the Lord forgives you. See, confession, we all get nervous about it. We think, ah, oh, it's, it's, it's there to harm us or hurt us and make us feel bad. No! Confession, when you confess something to God or somebody else, it is there to help you. It is there to heal you. Don't think it's there to harm you or hurt you. It's not. But, but here's the thing, and this is where we transition to the second half of our verse today. Remember, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Whenever you ask God to forgive our sins, whenever we do, we have to ask, have I forgiven people who have wronged me? And this is where it gets real. And this is where it gets a little bit more tense, a little more difficult, right? Because it's cool. God, yeah, I want the forgiveness. Hit me with it. Somebody that I've wronged, somebody that I've ticked off, yes, forgive me. I want your forgiveness. That's, that's probably the easier part. But now you're asking me to forgive that person? Hit me. What they did to me? You see them? What they, they, and you want me to do it? I mean, that's different, right? It's different. It's different when you're asking that. Back to, I'll give you a, back to another illustration when I, when I drive. By the way, why do all my illustrations revolve around my driving? I mean, I, maybe God's trying to tell me something. So I, uh, one time I was driving with my kids, and this guy ran a red light on the other side, right, going this way. Easy red light, just blatant. And I said, can you believe that guy ran a red light? And my kids were like, but Dad, just back there are you. And I was like, ah, that was yellow. Okay, get it right. That was yellow. That was different, right? That was, that was different. Say that was different. It was different. It was different. It was yellow. So, but I'm telling you, this is where it gets tense. Um, our life groups are our small groups where we do life together. By the way, if you want to grow closer to God, you want to grow closer to your purpose, uh, jump into a life group. I promise you, it, it, that will help you do it. That's where we go deeper in relationships. So they're, they're huge, they're huge, they're huge. One of our first life groups we had, this is, this is when the, first, the church first launched. We were at Hy-Vee, and we're having a life group, and it got tense real quick. Like we were talking about forgiveness, and we we're talking about, I mean, criminals, heinous things that people can do in life, right? Just evil things. Like we're talking serial killers and, and murderers and, and, you know, people driving below the speed limit. Things like that. Things that God hates. You know what I'm saying? And uh, three of you caught it. Anyway, so it doesn't matter. So um, we're talking about this and, and we said, you know, if, say a serial killer, if they ask for forgiveness and they, they, they repent, well, God will forgive them. And, and we talked about forgiveness, you know, that once you're forgiven, and, and, and God forgives you, and, you know, Jesus is obviously part of that equation. You know, you, go, you, you die and you go to heaven. And, and it clicked, and, and this one girl said, no, no, no. You're telling me that someone, say they kidnapped my kid and killed my kid. And, and they asked for forgiveness, and, and, and God forgives them. They ain't going to be in heaven. And she was adamant. And I said, wait, I said, what? I said, how can you quantify or qualify what you're saying? That you're, some people, just regardless of what they do, they can't do it. And I realized she believed what so many people believe. I said it last week. I'll say it again. I'll never stop reminding you. Heaven and hell is not about good or bad. It is not about good or bad. I'd say 90% of for sure America, if you ask them, who goes to heaven? Good people. Who goes to hell? Bad people. Wrong. There are, I guarantee, my pastor said this once, and I wholeheartedly believe it. There will be a lot of people in heaven that would shock you. And a lot of people in hell that would shock you. I'm telling you, it is not about good or bad. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. People covered by the grace of God go to heaven. Big difference. That should give some of you relief right now. It did me, all the things I've done in my life. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's hope for a guy like me. There's hope for a guy like, like David. It's huge. But, but understand this. This is difficult. 
Because let's get real. Things have been done to you that shouldn't have been done to you. Things have been done to people that you know and love that should have never been done to them. And we're not justifying it. We're not saying it's right. It's not right. It's wrong. But, 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 but we have to push aside that and look at what God is telling us to do, what God is commanding us to do. Who are we to decide where the line gets drawn? Well, you, you commit that act, and all of a sudden you're, you're out of the realm of forgiveness. You can't be forgiven. It's too bad. You've hurt me too much. You've hurt them too much. You've done that and that and that. Well, that's not our job to do. God's clear about who, who, where the forgiveness falls and, and who it falls under. The scripture in Colossians, this Paul is a great Christian who was a horrible sinner, again, orchestrating murders. I mean, I love the way God uses these people. If you're jacked up, oh my gosh, God wants to use you in such an amazing way. Oh, just seek him and he'll blow you away. So Paul becomes this Christian and he writes these letters to churches and a lot of them are in the New Testament. And one of them is called Colossians. And he wrote it to a church, but to you and I. Listen to what he says. It's, he says, since God chose you, say he chose me. He chose you. Chose you to be holy people he loves. You must. Say must. Oh, that's a big word. We, 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 we want to say maybe, uh, ought to, or, or should. But it doesn't say that. It says must. Clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. And forgive, here we go, anyone. Wow, anyone is everyone and everyone is anyone. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must, say must. There it is again. You must forgive others. Repeat after me. It's not optional. It's not optional. At the end of the day, it's not optional. That's why this message can be so tense, but I believe so beautiful, because people are going to get set free. You're, some of you are going to get set free. Others that you're connected to, maybe in an unforgiveness aspect, you're going to get set free. It's not optional. Now, it's not easy either. Didn't say it's easy. It didn't say it's easy, but it's not optional. I, 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 I'm convinced of this. One of the hardest things that people will ever say, one of the hardest phrases words that people will ever say is I forgive you. It is. And scholars actually believe the second hardest thing for people to say is Worcestershire sauce. Like I can't say it. Worcestershire? I mean, how do you, I don't know. I, I seriously, I don't get it. Worcestershire? I don't, whatever. So you know. Um, get back to me. How do you pronounce that? So I have no idea. So when we don't forgive others, when we don't forgive others, we're denying our common ground with them as People who need God's grace, God's forgiveness, God's love. Common ground is sinners that we've been or that we are. Now, I wrote this phrase down, and this is where it gets even more tense. But you know it's probably coming. If you've truly experienced God's forgiveness, you'll be willing to forgive others. You will. It won't be optional. You will be willing to forgive others. You will be willing to forgive others. And you're, somebody's thinking right now, I can't. I can't. I can't do it. You, you don't understand. And again, I'm, I, can't, I put myself in your shoes and I'm not saying what happened to you or somebody that you love is right. But, and I'll be honest with you, you're right, you can't. You can't, you're right, I agree with you, you can't. But Christ in you can. But Christ in you can, I'll show you. 
I'll show you. This was a, such a breakthrough for me this week. I hope it is for you. Another letter that that crazy, uh, psychotic murderer, Paul, who, who turned into a Christian, wrote is to a, a, a church in Ephesus. It's called Ephesians. And he wrote it to you and I. Listen to this one verse. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. They hit it all throughout Scripture. It's not just the Lord's Prayer. It's all over. God is desperate that we know that forgiveness is not optional. Forgive one another just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. It's through Jesus that's the only way that it can happen. It's the only way you can do it. That, that, that it can truly be authentic forgiveness. And I'll hear people say, you know what? You need to forgive them because it's not about them anyway. It's about you. And, 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 and you forgive them, but that doesn't, you know, that doesn't forgive them really what they did, but it releases you from it. And it's, there is truth to that. Like when you forgive someone else, it's like it does set you free in a way. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we don't forgive someone for their sake. We don't even forgive somebody for our sake. We forgive someone for Christ's sake. Because God, through Jesus Christ, forgave us. That's why you forgive. That's the end of the story. Christ in you can help you do it. It's the only way it can be done. The problem is we focus so much on us. How I've been hurt. How I've been wronged. How, how they screwed me. They did this to me. And it's all about me, me, me. But it's not that. I tell you, we don't forgive based on what's been done to us. We forgive based on what our Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. Isn't that huge? It leads me to the main point. If you hear nothing else, please, please, please hear this. Forgiveness. Say forgiveness. Forgiveness is not about what's been done to me. It's about what's been done for me. Now, when I understand what's been done for me, it changes everything in me. It changes everything in me. It changes everything in me. C.S. Lewis, I love this quote. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you and in me. And I'm telling you what, I have a lot of inexcusable that needs to be forgiven. I don't know your story. I know mine. And I, I wouldn't want you to see my whole movie because you'd probably run from this church if you saw it. How does God do it? How does God forgive a sinner like me and a sinner like you? By what Jesus did on the cross. That's how it's done. You know what's crazy about the sacrifice of Jesus? People... If you don't know, Jesus really said, they think, seven different phrases that we know of that Jesus made when he was on the cross. Seven different things that he said, words or statements that he made when you put all the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all together. It, that's what it says. Do you know the very first thing he said? The very first thing out of all those. Like they, the, so they staple his hands and his feet to the cross. That's what they did. They staple him to the cross, and here's what the first thing he said. Luke 23, 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That is unbelievable. That I'll never comprehend. Forgive them, Jesus. Forgive the people. For, forgive the, these religious folks that have harassed you. 
for three plus years, your entire ministry, forgive the government that's been all over you, forgive that they've harassed you, they've ridiculed you, they've mocked you, not just today, not just last week, but for the, your entire journey, forgive them. And Jesus is like, forgive them. Okay, okay, fine, fine. What about the soldiers and what about today? What about the beatings? and the whippings, and the scourgings. What about them spitting in your face? What about, what about the crown of thorns they shoved on your head? They shoved it in your scalp. What about that? Jesus, they punched you so much in the face, I can't even recognize you. And Jesus hangs up there and says, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Okay, okay, fine, fine, fine. Okay, okay, enough about them, Jesus. What about the people that were in your circle? The people that, that you trusted, your closest friends, the, the, the 12 guys, your disciples. What about, what about Judas? You loved Judas. You poured into him. You led him. You told him things. You encouraged him. You never gave up on him. He betrayed you, Jesus. He knew he was going to do it at the end. He knew it. He lied to your face. He betrayed you with a kiss. You're hanging up there because Judas told them about you. And Jesus hangs up there and says, forgive him. Peter, Jesus? Okay, okay, Judas maybe was one of the 12, but Peter was one of the three closest friends you've ever had on this earth. Peter promised you like, uh, like a day ago, I'll never leave you. I'll ne if the others leave, they probably will, but I won't, I'm the closest guy. Peter, Lord, you know he betrayed you not once, not twice, three times. He told them, I don't know the guy. Where is Peter, by the way, Jesus? He's not here because he's scared because he's pretending he doesn't know you. Jesus, you said you were going to build your church on Peter. I don't see that happening now. What about him? And Jesus hangs on the cross. I love Peter. I don't get it. But forgiveness isn't about me getting it. It's about me receiving it, you receiving it, and then you giving it. Forgiveness is not about what's been done to me. It's not about what's been done to you. It's about what the Lord has done for you. And when you understand the cross, it changes everything. God has offered us complete forgiveness. We can receive it anytime. I wrote it down. I said, when we turn from our sins, we can and receive his forgiveness. It prepares our hearts to forgive others. Notice I said when we turn. You see, here's the thing about forgiveness. It always connects to repentance. It always does. See, without repentance, there is no forgiveness. See, repent, yeah, praise God. Repentance, if you don't know what that word means, kind of a churchy word, just means you're, you're changing directions. It means I was trespassing there, but I don't, I'm not going to trespass there anymore. I, I see the sign. I see the sign. I ain't going there anymore. It means you've changed your behavior or you're trying. But to say, forgive me, only to know you're going to do it tomorrow, that's not forgiveness. God, forgive me. I mean, I, I'm going to look at porn tomorrow and I'm not stopping, but forgive me today. And God's like, I love you so much. I want to help you stop. I love you so much. Help, let me walk with you. We can turn from this together. That's what he says. That's what he says. He's so loving. 
He's so loving. Without repentance, there's no forgiveness. We, and, those, and those who are unwilling to forgive, and, and, and that, again, it can be tense message. Those who are unwilling to forgive, I wrote down, you're not one with Christ. You're unwilling. That's an indicator that you need Jesus. And this can be uh, kind of offensive, maybe. And I don't mean it to be offensive. I just want to give you truth. Like, if you're, if you're there, if you're sitting there today thinking, I'll never forgive that person, I'll never do that, you don't have the Holy Spirit in you. I don't know how else to say it. Because with the Holy Spirit, it, you're right, you can't. And you probably won't. But with the Holy Spirit in you, with Christ in you, he will help you get there. You will get to a point where you're willing. And if you refuse to get to that point, you're not saved. You're not saved. I'll never forget a conversation I had with a woman, a woman who'd attended church for years and she was older, mature in her ways, mature in her faith. I thought, and she, a loved one was dying and she told straight to my face. I was her campus pastor. And I said, you're I, I said, your dad's dying. And he did bad things. He did bad things. I'm not, but it ain't about what's been done to you. It's about what's been done for you. Do you understand what Christ did for you? And she blatantly told me, I'm not doing it. You know what I wish I would have told her? I didn't have the guts, nor I don't even think I had the knowledge then. New in my walk, not new in my walk, but new in my pastoral walk. I wish I would have said, you know what? I'm just going to lovingly tell you that I don't think the Holy Spirit's in you. That's the loving thing to do. Oh, that's offensive. <laughs> I think it's more offensive to tell her otherwise and let her go to hell. That's offensive. That's offensive. I'm so excited about this message. I'm going to read Matthew 6:15 one more time. If you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive you. Who goes to heaven? Not good people, but forgiven people. If you're not forgiven, like it says, well, then you go to the other place, right? That's what, I mean, that's what Scripture says, not me. Don't get mad at me. That's what Scripture says. And you shouldn't be mad. You should be joyous right now. Oh, my God, I'm getting truth. I'm going to be set free. God's doing something in me. God's doing something in me. God's doing something in me. And, and, and we can read that Scripture and think, okay, so salvation depends on if I forgive others. Well, Jesus wants you to go a little deeper in that Scripture. See, salvation isn't just tied to forgiveness only. If you just read that Scripture, you can think, well... If I forgive, then I'm saved. Uh, it's deeper than that. Jesus, what he's saying here is, if you're not forgiving, I'm not in you. And if I'm not in you, well, well then you're not saved. That's what he's saying. It's way bigger than that. Jesus, if he's in you, his Holy Spirit will help you get to a point where you can forgive somebody for the worst things that they've ever done to you. That's what the gospel's all about. How can a king who never did anything wrong to anybody, all Jesus did was love. It's all he did. And we, and we staple him to the tree. And the first thing he says is forgive him. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ, by the way. That, that a perfect man, a perfect God, sent his son Jesus to die like that Jesus you don't deserve it you didn't do anything wrong and Jesus would say I know but you did and that's why I came I love you and Jesus hangs on the cross and it, I'm telling you he died on that cross six hours after they put him up there he died he was dead 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 and if you don't know the story of the gospel of Jesus Christ you're about to get the end of it 
because when he was dead, they thought it was the end. They thought it was over. Jesus even said, it is finished. They believed that was the last thing he said. Okay, it's finished. Jesus didn't mean it was finished for eternity. He meant for that day, in that moment, his job on the cross to do what he can, wants to do in you, that was finished. That was finished. At, in that moment, I'm telling you what, it was a glorious day. It, it was a dark day in the moment. Just like in our world right now, it seems so dark in many ways, but God's working, God's moving, okay? We don't live like the world lives. We live like we're citizens of heaven. That's how we're called to live. That's how we're called to love. This world is not my home. This world is not your home. Thank God. If you're in Christ, if, he has, if you have your, his Holy Spirit in you, thank God. So he dies on the cross. They shove him in a tomb and he's dead. They seal it and assume he's going to do what dead people do. Stay dead. Three days later, just like Jesus prophesied over and over and over and over, everything Jesus said about the future came true. Everything. He's a man worth following. Trust me. I, I'm telling you. Okay? You, know, you don't, don't follow me. Follow him. Follow me. We'll end up in jail together. Follow Jesus. You'll be set free. I promise. I'm kidding. I hope you don't end up in jail with me, but, but years ago you would. Um, so Jesus is, is dead in the tomb. And they go to the tomb and they check it on the third day. And guess what? It's empty. On the third day, they go there. They roll away the stone. I know it's not Easter, but I don't care. I got to tell you the story. They roll away the stone. They look inside the tomb and, and they say, Jesus, and, and an angel says, I know who you're looking for. The man who was on the tree, the man they stapled to a cross. Guess what? He ain't here. Like, it's empty. Yeah, you can clap. The tomb is empty. Why? Because Jesus Christ was alive. And because Jesus was alive, you have hope. You can forgive. You can live again. You can be set free. Oh my gosh, thank you, Lord. So, oh, by the way, if you want that, just, just watching online, I know, I know there's a lot of people right now watching online. Just type, I choose Jesus. We'll connect with you. That's how you can forgive again. That's how you can forgive again. That's how you can forgive again. I choose Jesus. This could be the day that changes everything in your life. In the room, there's cards, connect cards. If you're a guest, fill it out, turn it into guest services. I wanna give you a gift for being here, just for being here, first time guest. If God's doing something in your heart as you hear the gospel and you wanna surrender, you want that Holy Spirit in you. You wanna know heaven is your home. You wanna know you're forgiven. You don't wanna to go to hell because there's two choices. And good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. And the only way you're forgiven is by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the only way. There is no other 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 way. It is Jesus. And you can mark your decision on your card and we will celebrate with you. Unforgiveness, it hinders you. It hinders your prayers. The series is called Breakthrough Prayer. Why would you hinder your prayers? Some of you are wondering, why doesn't God answer my prayers? I'll guarantee you something. If, you have, if you're harboring unforgiveness in your heart, your prayers are being hindered. They are. It's very likely the reason that you're not seeing uh, God's will being done, maybe in your life, is because of that. Scripture, James 5, 16. The earnest prayer of a righteous person. Wow, righteous, a person that forgives, a person that wants to repent, a person that isn't perfect, they ain't perfect. God, I'm far from perfect. I don't know about your life, but I'm so far from perfect. But I want more of Jesus. 
That, that prayer has great power. It produces wonderful results. The word of God, that's a promise to you. I want your prayers to have power. I want your prayers to have results. Live, repent, live righteously. That's what Jesus is saying that through his word, through his, through his apostle James. Some of you, maybe today, if you've really been hurt and you're really struggling with that forgiveness, your first step is to pray. pray Jesus said, pray for your enemies. It's not easy. Pray for your enemies. That might be your step today. I'm telling you something. The prayers that you don't want to pray are just as important as the prayers you do want to pray. I'll say it again. The prayers you don't want to pray, they might even be more important than the prayers that you do want to pray. I want to close this message. And, and I didn't think it would close this way, but I try to listen to what God says. And I truly believe that the imagery that he gave me to help you understand, to, to wrap out this message today is this. One time a friend of Jesus uh, named Lazarus, he was dead. He was, he's a good friend of Jesus. In fact, the sisters got a hold of Jesus and said, Lazarus is dying, he's sick, get here. We know you can heal him. Well, Jesus didn't get there. Jesus was still doing some ministry uh, somewhere else. So when he got there, it was too late according to the world. Lazarus was dead. And back then, they, they would wrap you up. They'd wrap you up in like, called grave clothes. You know, like, almost like a mummy. They would wrap you up and put you in a tomb. And that's where, that's where Lazarus was for four days. And, and I couldn't get the image out of my head. What was that? I mean, of course, Lazarus is dead at the time, but think about being wrapped like that. And you're, so unforgiveness, when I think about it, and I've been there, there's people I have harbored unforgiveness against and people that have had a hard time forgiving me God, I understand that, the things I've done. But what it does, it hinders you in such a bad way. It restricts you in such a bad way. That's where Lazarus, hindered, restricted, dead. It will leave you dead in places in your soul, in your, in your life. When you harbor that unforgiveness, it is a death sentence. And I, I, got, I got that image of, I put hindered, restricted, bind, you're bound. Somebody walked in here bound. You're letting the devil bind you in areas of your life. It might not even be forgiveness. Let's broaden it a little bit. It might be addiction like it was for me. It might be secrets that you're harboring. Uh, things that you're doing that you think that nobody knows. God knows. He still loves you though. It might be your past that riddles you. And you're bound. And you're restricted. And you're hindered. You're bound with, with grave clothes. Why? Because you're dead in those places. You are dead in those places, and that's where some of you are, and you know it. And that's why you're watching, and that's why you're here, and that's why you're, that's why you're listening right now, because you know that you are. I'm hindered. And, I, and God, so I went to the scripture, because I'm like, okay, I, I, knew, I know the story, but I want, I got to give you scripture. I got to feed you spiritually. I got to feed me spiritually. And the scripture says this. So Jesus shows up on the scene, and when Jesus shows up on the scene, how many of you know things can change? Like, they can change. Like, he, Jesus is kind of in the business of unhindering. Jesus is in the business of unrestricting. Jesus is in, is in the business of unbinding what is bound by the evil one. That's what Jesus does. Jesus is in the business of taking dead things like Lazarus and making them alive again. And somebody here, somebody watching, you're dead in an area of your life and you know it. Oh, today is your day. Thank you for being here, God. Thank you for guiding him here. Here's the scripture. So Jesus comes on the scene, and Jesus says, oh, you think Lazarus is dead? Well, I, I'm kind of a game changer when it comes to that. 
I am the Alpha, I am the Omega, I am the beginning, I am the end, I am the first, I am the last, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, I am Christ. And Christ comes on the scene and he says, Lazarus. And they're like, Jesus, you're talking to a mummy. Jesus is like, you don't get it, you don't get it. Lazarus, get up. And I wonder who God is saying today, get up. God is saying, get up, get unbind, unrestrict, unhinder. He says, get up, Lazarus. And the dead man came out and it said his hands and his feet were bound in grave cloths, his face wrapped in a head cloth. And Jesus said, unwrap him and let him go. Unwrap him. I tell you what, someone needs to open up your grave. Open it up, open it up, open it up. I'm coming out, I'm coming out, I'm gonna live. I want to live again. Anybody want to live again? Anybody want life in this place? I want life for you. Open the grave. I'm coming out. I'm going to live. I want you to live as well. Unforgiveness is a killer. Why would God, why would Jesus hit on it again? Because he knows that. So you might know what's coming. God, I pray that you will do what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do right now. Note cards on your chairs. It's becoming a theme of this series. I love it. Because I think when you do something, when you act on something, it really, it's powerful, it's spiritual. Lazarus had to act. He had to get up. He had to bust out of what was holding him back. Jesus didn't do it all. Lazarus had to, Lazarus had to partake in it. What the note cards are for are for you. I wrote it down. I want you to ask God to check your heart right now. Check your heart and your life and show you areas where you need to ask for forgiveness. Write them down. God, I want your forgiveness here and here. Be specific. I mean, we're ne I'll never, I'm never gonna get up here and read anything that's personalized or got your name on it. We'll never do that. This is confidential, it's you and God. I wrote down, be specific. Ask God where you need forgiveness. Then, in turn, forgive those who have offended you. Who do you need to forgive? Write it down. What do you need to forgive? Write it down. And in some cases, you're going to need to go to those people. If it's, if it's not every case, but in some cases where you can and it's safe and you can. That's what I want you to do. As you write on the note cards and as you make decisions on the connect cards, I'll be praying for you. The worship team's gonna lead a song and you're just gonna come up as God prompts you and just put your notes in the, in the buckets. Watching online, I want you to write it down. Just fold it up and, and keep it next to your bed maybe this week and remind yourself, this is what I'm asking for forgiveness of. This is who I need to forgive. And this is what God's calling me to do. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for offering us the gift of forgiveness. You're so good. Show us, God, right now, any areas of our life that need to be brought before you in order to receive forgiveness and healing. God, we confess to you right now, we struggle. Many of us struggling with sin even right now in the moment today, yesterday. God, we know you want us to be clean. Forgive our sin. Help us repent and go a different direction. No more trespassing. Where we've been trespassing. Thank you for your unfailing grace. Help us forgive others like you forgive us. 
Help us let go of things that have offended us and acknowledge when we've offended others. God, release us from those who have hurt us. We trust you to handle the situations according to your perfect will. God, thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for the forgiveness. How do we accept Christ? The Bible says, call on his name. Ask him to forgive what's going on in you, what we're doing right now, your, your, your sin. Ask him to set you free. Ask him to come into you and make you new. The Bible says he'll do it. He brings dead things back to life. He, he makes old things new. He doesn't just restore. He doesn't just fix up. He makes new. God, have your way as people are being obedient and writing God and getting deeps into the depths of their heart. God, pray, I, God, I pray that they'll do whatever you're calling them to do. It might be a life group. It might be coming up and letting the prayer team pray with them, going into the prayer room today and praying with somebody. I pray, God, nobody leaves here with, un, with, with a prayer that is on their heart that they need to give to somebody else. That's why we're here, God. Thank you for listening. Thank you for answering. Thank you for Jesus. God, in your son, the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray and we all say, so much for watching today, but don't stop there. We want to invite you to be part of our Meadows family. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe to our Meadows YouTube channel. That way you don't miss a single video, update, or message. And not only that, share this message with a friend. I encourage you. So many people are looking for hope and encouragement, and you and I have the ability to bring it to them. So again, thanks for watching, and God bless you.